The following program and views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Franklin Weefald is here. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It was a good week and yeah. a better weekend because we're doing the show. Yeah, we had a best of last week, but this is a live show. So if you want to call in, 919-860-9783 is the number. Call right now. We'll get you on. we got a lot of things to talk about. Dr. Fauci is retiring, which is um, surprising to me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with DeSantis about the little elf being thrown across the <laughs> Potomac. That was a little too much. You I mean, that's strong. That's killer. just, Ron, that's not nice. That's not nice. That's okay. just not nice. Now, he's only saying what other people have thought. Well, for a I mean, long okay, time. we got we to gotta dial down. Okay, <laughs> okay. we got to just dial it all down. Um, Fauci has had an incredibly distinguished career. Yes. Um, you, you know, he started. At the NIH when President Johnson was in office. I mean, think about yes. that. 1968. Yes. So what has he done? I mean, tremendously great things with the uh, Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He was around in the beginning of the AIDS uh, epidemic. I mean, that, that was my my internship and yes. residency. Yes. And it was a horrible time mm-hmm. to be in medicine. Because all these really young men um, were just dying right and left. And, right. you know, this, the, it was so scary because we were all worried about catching it ourselves. In fact, one of the chief residents at Johns Hopkins um, got AIDS and died. Oh, my. And so that was a big controversy because, you know, his name is Hasi Baun, and he was convinced he got it f- as you know, an occupational hazard working as a resident. Right. And there was some controversy as to whether it was not the case. And so it was a big, big problem. And Fauci took reins over it. And I think we can credit a lot of what happened. I mean, AIDS is now, uh, while it's a serious disease, Mm -hmm. um, it's controllable. And there are five, six, seven maybe eight or nine therapies that are out that control the illness and keep you from developing full-blown AIDS, you right. know? And so, yes, a great career. Um, but I think a lot of us who are scientists, and believe me, I'm a scientist. Mm-hmm. I've often thought whether Fauci would, would disagree. If you're a scientist? Yeah, I published in Nature in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. What, what, you know, that's the other thing. You know, I am science is one of the things that he said and that really made me upset. Yes. But who would he consider a scientist? I hope he would consider me a scientist. But a lot of us um, really were upset and disagreed Mm -hmm. um, with the way he approached um, the pandemic. And you remember the Barrington... Um, group that I do yeah and basically you know he 
worked behind the scenes to, to sort of try to destroy them, not just um, uh, their message, which right. was protect the elderly, right. let everybody else live, and um, don't shut down right. because the economy is important. People will commit suicide if they can't live mm-hmm. uh, and don't have any money. And so I think, to me, that's the biggest criticism I have of him. Right. Um, but, you know, um, he's retiring, and I'm glad. I think it's time for us to get some new blood. Right. And right. move on. All right. There is a new oral drug for depression. Uh, let's see, gender transition. We're really going to talk about this, huh? Well, yeah, because I think we're going to talk about it in a calm, cool, right. collected, scientific um uh, approach because I think that the studies are now coming out that gender transition for children mm-hmm. is a very bad idea. And one of the major reasons is that children can't make those decisions for themselves. If you're going to let, if you're not going to let a child drive a car, right, right. are you going to let a child decide to disfigure their body um, mm-hmm. because of what we call gender dysphoria? And right. I, I think it's, it's, it shouldn't even be controversial. Right. But that's right. my opinion. I couldn't pick out my own clothing till I was, you know, 10 or 11. Yeah, and I, I have some ideas about why this is being uh, promoted, and we'll talk about that. Okay. Canada is euthanizing its sick and poor. That's in the shame segment, I know. We're going to deal with that. Yeah, and I'm very bit. upset about that. All right, so the big news this past week, I could not, this is going back See, we're doing this on a Saturday. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, Sunday night, I could not sleep. Mm. I would lay down and I couldn't catch my breath. You know what that's called? No. Orthopnea. Yeah? Yeah, the official term. Orthopnea. Okay. What that means is basically what David just said. You can't be recumbent. What does that mean? Yeah. That means you can't lay down because you develop dyspnea, which is significant shortness of breath. Now, did you have paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea? I have no idea. That means you wake up from sleep yeah. gasping for breath. Yeah, I was gulping. Yeah. I was gulping could for you fall, Could you sleep? No. I got, I got zero sleep from Sunday night to Monday morning, and then I went to the doctor. Well, But did you prop yourself up? I did. Well, and did I, that help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I sat up All and right. watched TV. Very interesting. Very so so I went in. Eventually, they scheduled me for an echo. Yep, an they, echocardiogram. That's a sound wave picture of the heart in live um, time. But it was it was it would take until Friday to get that done. So they put me on a diuretic. And which one, furosemide? Okay, could Lasix. Be. I don't know. Yeah, come on. I don't know. Was it forty milligrams? I'm a, I'm on my chart. Yeah, it's I'm really important that listen. Everybody out there. Yeah. It's important that you know the names of your medicines. I can't tell you the number of times that people will come in to see me and they say, I take a red pill, a blue (laughs) pill, uh, this greenish pill that's got a funny shape, and then a white pill. This is embarrassing because, you know, there might be some pills on my list here that might, I don't want to tell everybody I take. Well, that's okay. I'm on Bumetamide? Bumetamide. Okay, so... Is that what it is? <clears throat> these are called loop diuretics. Now, what does that mean? Okay. It means they're pretty powerful. <laughs> um, they work on the, what's called the uh, loop of Henley. 
Sure, I guess it does. Henley was some dude who looked at the kidney. Okay, so a water pill yeah. or a a diuretic. What does it do? It actually <laughs> poisons, and I hate to use that term because it doesn't destroy the kidney, but in high doses it can. Okay, um, it makes it so the loop of Henley, which is how the kidney works, um, you you filter out blood. It creates urine, and as it travels through the nephron, which is the the fundamental unit of the kidney, yes, sodium is reabsorbed because your body wants to regulate. You don't want to pee out all your sodium because then you'll turn into a um, a, a lifeless, you know, uh, empty vessel. I don't so want that. The bumetanine will poison that part to make sodium leave okay. your body. Okay. So instead of being reabsorbed, right, in the kidney, it lets some of it, not all of it out and then what happens when sodium leaves your body hmm. water goes with it. it okay it carries the water with it so what did it do it took extra fluid out of your bloodstream yes so that it would be pulled out of the lung and back into the bloodstream right and so you could breathe now did you notice yourself urinating a lot more uh yes i did i i found myself getting up in the middle of the night yeah and I did. A volume of urine yeah. was was increased, and my feet, which had been swollen. Well, why didn't you use that as a as a um, canary in the coal mine to say that you were filling up with fluid? What did you think that was? I thought I was getting fat. Oh, jeez. I thought my feet were getting fat. Fat foot. Yeah. FF. Yeah, he, he had he had the FF disease, <laughs> the fat foot disease. I thought I was gaining weight. That's called in my edema, E D E M A. Okay. All right. Did it go away when you? Yes, in the morning? it did. Yeah. yeah. So that's called dependent <laughs> edema. Okay. So I had that this, means it's dependent upon standing. I up. had this echo. We can't do the whole show on me, but I had this echo, uh-huh. and you read the echo report. Right. W- what's up with me? You've got hefpef. No. Yeah, the the, the dreaded. Hefpef. I've got Hefpef. Now, let me tell you what that... I didn't know what Hefpef was until one of the drug reps came in and said, this medication is is now not only approved for Hefpef, but also for Hefpef. I'm going, okay. What is it? I got to pretend I know what he's talking about. I'm from Johnny Hopkins, right? Now, heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Yeah. HF, the Hef. Yeah. P, preserved. Preserved. EF, ejection fraction. Sure. Then there's... Half ref, which is heart failure, with reduced ejection fraction, and there's there's a real big difference. Um, you have yes. a strong heart. Good. Your muscle pumps. Fifty five percent of the blood is ejected with each heartbeat. That's called the ejection fraction. Okay. And the problem is that the heart not only ejects, yes, but it has to relax. Okay. Yeah. So, oosh, it pushes everything out whoosh, it relaxes. And your problem is over time, from your cardiovascular risk factors, your diabetes, your high blood, yeah, and your renal insufficiency, in other words, your kidneys don't work as good as they should, and the fact that you've had cholesterol buildup and bypass surgery, you don't relax anymore. Your heart muscle is slow and stiff in the relaxation phase. Yes. And so if you get too much fluid built up, and you can't relax, the pressure will build up inside the heart, and that will be translated back into the lungs. And when the pressure in the veins and arteries of the lungs is increased, yeah. fluid will leak out into your 
air tubes yeah. in your air sac. Yeah. And you couldn't breathe. Yeah. And so now they've reduced the amount of volume in your bloodstream to reduce the pressure. So uh, it'd be like a water tank. Yeah. And yeah. you notice the pressure at the tap on the bottom. Right. Well, the pressure's going to be less if you reduce the amount of water. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's what they're doing to you. Okay, good. So how do you improve relaxation? There's medicines for that. Yeah. And one of the medicines that really works for half-ref or heart failure with reduced ejection fraction now also works for half-pef. And that's called Entresto. So was it your primary physician, your GP? Who no, gave it was the PA at my cardiologist. Okay, good. So, so we're getting we're getting really good treatment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I have not yet met with the big guy. I go back. Well, and you know, you don't even necessarily have to meet with the big guy. The right. PA should know this, right? If he or she is a PA physician's assistant for cardiology, right? In Tresto, now they may think that you're not at that stage yet, mm-hmm. but who knows? Okay. But there is a medicine that really helps with this. And yeah, now another warning for you. Yes. Is make sure they recheck your creatinine, which is the measure yes. of kidney function. Absolutely. Because when you go on a diuretic that removes sodium from your, you know, by the kidney function uh, inhibition, uh, you can raise the creatinine, which is indicative of a weaker kidney. So you got to balance that out. Right. And if you're doing okay. better, then the other question is, do you reduce the uh, dose of the diuretic so that you don't become over diuresed or volume depleted? As okay. We say. All right. Mr. Right. Half-Pef. I am, I, I'm going to get the T-shirt. Is that like HR Puff and stuff? <laughs> it sounds sounds a little like it's named after the guy from Playboy magazine. Yeah, half tell you the truth. All right. Our telephone <laughs> number is 919 Hugh Hester with Preserved Ejection Fraction. Half-Pef. <laughs> this is Heart Health Radio. We could do this segment... For the whole show. Yeah. Now, honestly. You can shame the whole show. There is an article about Paxlovid yeah. allegedly showing no measurable benefit for COVID. And you're telling me that's that's wrong. Well, here's here's what's be- what is the benefit, okay? And this is something that I've always thought can be misleading. Okay. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. All right. So, the ultimate benefit, right, is it doesn't you don't die. Yes. Okay. So. Yes, yes. Yes. And then you don't get admitted to the ICU and put on you know a ventilator. Yes. And you don't get admitted to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So when they do these studies, they have what's called an endpoint, and the endpoint is for this particular study, you don't get admitted to the hospital, you don't get admitted to the ICU, and you mm-hmm. don't die. Mm-hmm. So they said if you have COVID, mm-hmm. and if you're young, and if you take Paxlovid, the uh, answer was, does it work? And what was their does it work? Their does it work was, do you die, do you get admitted to the ICU, or do you get hospitalized? Okay. But what's important for people besides those things? I don't want to get sick. No, you're already oh. sick. You got okay. it. I don't want to what? You want to what? Feel better quicker. Yes. Right? Sure. Okay, so is a drug only worth it if it means that you don't die, 
you don't get hospitalized and you don't go to the ICU. I see what you mean. Now, remember yeah. one thing. Hardly anybody. Well, I mean, if, if you're one of those people right. who got real sick and you're young, right. I'm not being mean. But it's very, very rare now right. for Omicron to cause a young person who doesn't have a pre-existing condition such as rheumatoid arthritis or mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know bad lungs. Very unusual for them to get real sick. So they did the study, right? and they gave people Paxlovid, and they gave people a placebo, right? and they said, did it reduce the risk of death, et cetera, and admitting to the hospital, admitted admission to the hospital, and, and you know, I see you, and the answer was no. But what they didn't say was that when you took Paxlovid, you got better quicker, you felt better. Right. So if you're out there, yes. and you've and read the study- yes. And you think, well, I shouldn't take it because it didn't help. That's not true. Right. It didn't help in terms of keeping you alive because you're going to stay alive 99.99% of the time anyway. Right. It's going to make you feel better quicker. I uh, I was on makes, a medicine. I mean, you understand why I think so here's the, thing. the headline was bad? The headline, headline said it doesn't help you. Right. And in truth, it did help you, but not in a way they measured. They said, "Yes, it's not gonna. You're not gonna get hospitalized. Guess what? I have every risk factor you could come up with yeah. on a short list. Yeah, I got COVID. Yeah, I didn't get sick enough to be admitted, right. or to go to the ICU, right. or apparently die. But you got the infusion. But I got the, I got some medicine. Betaclimat. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I can't which, even pronounce it anymore. Which took, which got me better." Yeah, and that was Fast. important, right? It really was. Yeah. And so, if, you know, let me give you an example. Okay, ear infections. Yes. Antibiotics don't work. Okay, that's what I've seen studies. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, why do antibiotics, why are they good for a lot of people? They clear them up fast. They make you feel better quicker. Yeah, okay. Okay, and what's the mechanism of action of that? It's probably the non the non killing of the bacteria, mm-hmm. the non bactericidal action. It reduces inflammation in your ear and makes you feel better. Right. Well, well that now and then they say, well, you shouldn't give the antibiotic because we're going to make bacteria resistant to the antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there are a lot of bad uh, bacterial infections out there now. And they think that it's going to be really, you know, worse. Yeah. But you have to weigh that against the fact that if you give somebody amoxicillin, right, they're going to feel better quicker. Okay. Right. Now, eventually, you your ear will <laughs> battle off the infection. But for some people, it takes a long time, and you have an earache for two weeks. Yeah, you know? not, I don't want that. Yeah. But okay. you don't want to be sick with COVID for right. two weeks. Right. Now, Paxlovid mouth. Have you heard about that? I've heard of this. Oh my God! I've I got two patients it, with it. Is it is it bad breath? Apparent. No, your mouth. You just have this constant crappy taste in your mouth. <laughs> okay. Now that's no good. No, you got to no. weigh that against your cough and your head head stuffed up really? and fever. Yeah, not everybody gets it, but it is terrible, terrible Paxlovid wow. mouth. Wow. Yeah. Can they relate it to anything? That it's they, just, a, I don't know. I mean, it's not like sauerkraut or... or uh, no. They just say, I can't just, use the word, but it begins with an S. Yeah. All right. So Canada 
they have a, a, a they have a, a socialized medicine scheme. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And the headline is Canada is now euthanizing its sick and poor. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, sad is not the word. Um, Monstrous, I think it's outrageous. outrageous, right? Outrageous. Um, and there, there are people who are not terminal. Okay, there are really? people who some of them are depressed, <clears throat> right? And they have what's called treatment-resistant depression. Yeah. And the physicians are coming in and saying, well, you know, we'll pay for you to kill yourself. This is a modern North American country. Uh, yeah. This is, these are people a lot like us. Yeah. I, I spent some time in Canada. They're yeah. not so weird. They're not really so different from us. Let, let, the scary let, part yeah. is not that Canada's doing it. Yeah. Is the dumb ideas come from other countries and they come here. Real fast. Yeah. And and I don't understand that. Okay. So here was a guy who had hearing loss. <clears throat> hearing loss. Yeah. And it made him depressed. So he was in the hospital. You know, the hospital staff yeah. came in and said, you should kill yourself. Okay. It's going to cost us $1,500 a day to take care of you. Good heavens. All and right. he did it. Well, we got we to gotta take a break. Uh, news is coming up. One hour of walking a day reduces mortality. And surgeons are giving up. They're just, they're dropping out of the profession. I don't blame them. Because of Medicaid. And that's details on that coming up. This is Heart Health Radio, 919-860-9783. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. And we welcome Rose Hoban back to the airwaves. Hi, Rose. How are you? Good, fellas. How are you? Good. Good. You've got a lot of things on the website, including uh, something about environmental health and North Carolina being the birthplace of, of the environmental justice movement. I did not know this. I didn't know this either until my reporter went, you know, started reporting this story. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that Warren County, right, which is sort of north of Raleigh, right on the Virginia border. Right. Back in the late 70s, there was uh, a company and the owner and his son were yeah. looking to get rid of oil that had PCBs mm-hmm. in them. And oh, so my they, God. And they started spraying the stuff along roadsides in Warren County and a couple other counties um, across a total of, a, of 240 miles. Wow. And they were just spraying it at night. Sure. So no one could see it. Yeah. And that people learned about it in 1982, and there was this, like, six weeks of protests about this because what happened was then, like, EPA was like, all right, well, we can scrape it up and put it in a landfill, but we'll have a landfill in the middle of your community, too. That's <laughs> not good. Like, uh, no. Wow. You know what this reminds so, me of? When I, when I was right. in college, yeah. they caught some mafia people who were toxic waste. They had... Yeah, you know, they have these fake businesses. Sure, and they were yeah, yeah. were um, the mafia had the trash companies. Yes, yes, yes. Waste well, they were doing toxic people. waste, and they were claiming to dispose it. You know what they did with it? What they put it down the storm drains. Yeah, and this reminds me of of the same thing. Wow, 
Right. I had no right. idea if these people had I, done this. I had no idea either. And so what ended up happening, some of the people who were involved in this, like like Ben Chavis, who, mm-hmm. used to, who was the uh, former head of the National NAACP, uh, a, a woman, uh, uh, Dolly Burwell, and another woman, Naima Muhammad. Naima Muhammad has done a lot of work out in the eastern part of the state, like with black families that are living next to hog farms. Yes, and these this but this is where these folks kind of started their active activism. Um, there's a bunch of it, it was 40 years ago this summer, so there's a bunch of um, uh, commemorative events that are planned for later in September. You know, things like discussions, webinars, um, you know, a, 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 an exhibit at the UNC Chapel Hill. The, in the Southern Collection at Wilson's li- at Wilson Library, they're doing mm-hmm. an exhibit. So, I mean, I, it, we just thought it was really interesting because, of course, you know, as you know, Dr. Riefel, PCBs are bad things, and like they, they're uh, suspected carcinogens. Uh, uh, you know, it's right, it's, and this stuff was just sprayed around, and it and it turns out like, oh, hey, look at that, Warren County was sixty percent black. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean that, and, so, and know, that may, in fact, be why it was done there in Warren County. You just find a place where there's a bunch of people who, are, you know, are marginalized or poor, and mm-hmm. will just you know ruin their neighborhood. All right. I want to congratulate uh, NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org for seventeen North Carolina Press Association awards. Well, I yeah, tell you. You can't see me right now, but I'm buffing my nails. That is, you are you are happy about this, I know. Wow. Yeah, this That's is, good. It's, it's, a, it's a reflection of a lot of work, you know, and uh, as they say, there's no I in team. It's really the, the team. They've done incredible work. They, they're so dedicated. They work really hard. They dig and dig and dig and dig. Right. Um, and there's things that we didn't win for that we should have done it. Like, <laughs> uh, like Tommy Goldsmith has done all this work on nursing homes. Right. And, uh, you know, investigated several nursing homes where there were high levels of COVID deaths. And um, he didn't get anything. That I will say this, because of the pandemic, yeah. the Press Association didn't have their awards ceremony in 21 and so right. now we were looking at instead of 12 months worth of material we were looking at 19 months worth of material so the right. co- so that's the other reason to be super proud is that the competition was super stiff right and we did well even with that level of competition All so right. uh Terrific. i'm really thrilled yeah thank you thank you very much we really north carolina health find all of your health care policy and also environmental policy and, you know, state news uh, right there, NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Thank you, Rose. Thanks. Good to uh, talk to you. We'll all talk right. next week. Take and care. Congratulations Bye-bye. on your wonderful, wonderful organization. That's great. All Thank right. You. So atrial cardiopathy, you just said this is something more to worry about. Yeah, and, you know, I hadn't worried about it. Okay. And now we need to worry about what it. What is so, it? There's ventricular cardiomyopathy. You have one form. We talked about it earlier, Dave. It's a relaxation form. Yeah. Hef, pef. And then there's hef ref, which is refer which refers to the bottom part of your heart, the ventricle, being weak. Right. Well, one of the things that we we haven't focused on as much, except in things like atrial fibrillation, 
where the top part of the heart, the atrium, yeah, they malfunction and produce a situation where the heart just sort of stumbles along and the electricity, you know, is instead of being um, nice and regular, yeah. just sort of flutters on the top. And when that happens, the atria don't work. And what does that mean? They don't pump because they don't have an organized electrical activity. Mm-hmm. Clots can form because the blood's not flowing right. Well, we restore that with uh, cardioversion or medicines or an ablation. Mm-hmm. But there are some people where the atria just don't work anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we didn't focus on that for a long time. Because what happens when the atria don't work? It's the same as AFib. The blood pools and you can form clots. And what they found now is that when we focus on individuals whose atria don't contract, even if they're in normal rhythm, they have a very high risk of dementia, or as Dave would say, dementia. Yeah, right. Everybody everybody else does too. Yeah. And the reason (laughs) is that (laughs) the clots form and they go up to the brain. So there are many people misdiagnosed with Alzheimer's. Yes. That we found out that really have what we call this this atriopathy, this atrial cardiomyopathy. And if they were to be recognized earlier, um, they might be put on um, one of the blood thinners. I hate to use that term. Anticoagulants. Yeah. Like Eliquis or Xarelto or Warfarin and prevent the dementia and the dementia. So there, uh, you, well, I guess the bottom line, the headline should be, there are some people being diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's that, in fact, it's a clotting issue. Of the top part of the heart, okay. the atria. Right. So what we need to do now in when, we, when we look at the ultrasounds and the echocardiograms is make a mention, not just of the size of the atria, which is what we do, right. but also whether they contract well. And that's important. Because if your left atrium is not contracting, okay, you're at high risk for a clot and multiple clots, which is what leads to the dementia, right? And that's multi-infarct right. dementia. I just had a test. Did the test and I showed you the results. Yeah. Does that would that yes tell whether I had that? Yes. So you why don't you go back? Well, that we don't yeah, normally. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't normally report that. Okay, I report the size. Now, it's obvious that the larger your atria is, the greater the chance that it's not contracting, just like in the left ventricle. Yeah. So I think one of these things we ought to do is start looking at that. Okay. And then the study should be if you have a hypocontractile or a weakly pumping left yeah. atria, Yeah. let's do a study. Put half on a anticoagulant to see if it prevents dementia and the other half usual care and let's see if that works is there any way that you know i mean people have family members with yeah. with dementia if they have dementia because of this could we prevent it from getting worse well, yeah yeah and that's possible i don't see we're, we're out on a limb here because yeah. the study has not been done Okay. Could be that putting somebody on a blood thinner or anticoagulant doesn't help. Mm-hmm. So if we just went ahead and did it without the studies, right? We may be putting those patients at risk for severe bleeding. I just right. had, I just had right. a, I just had a man die 
from oh. bleeding out. Oh my! Yeah, he had uh, a recent stent. Right. So he was on the antiplatelet agents, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he developed AFib. So we had to take him off the aspirin, keep him on the Plavix, right. and then put him on Eliquis. And he was found dead in his bathroom. Oh my! Having bled out and never had a history of GI bleeding, never. So fatal bleeding can occur, and right. I don't want to scare right. people out there right. into not right. taking their blood thinner medicines. But one of the things that I do and I say when we have to do this, you know, double whammy, yes, a very intense antithrombotic and anticoagulant therapy to prevent clots is watch your stools, and you should watch them anyway. Brown, I mean, black bowel movements yes. are a sign of bleeding. Right. And any amount of blood in the stool. I mean, I can't tell you any people. Oh, by the way, I had a bloody stool the other day. And, you know, what'd you do about it? Nothing. You need to to go to your doctor if you have a bloody stool. Sure, it could be a hemorrhoid. Yeah. But it could be colon cancer. It could be, you know, a bleeding blood vessel that needs to be attended to in your yeah. gut. Yeah. And I tell you, I felt horrible. Uh, about this gentleman dying, yeah. yes, and yet I was following the guidelines. And how horrible would I have felt if I hadn't put him right on a right. anticoagulant? And he had a massive stroke right. from his AFib. And you know, Plavix doesn't prevent strokes from AFib; they only prevent clots forming on the stents and heart attacks. So the, these anticoagulants—is that why older folks are bruised all the time? Yeah, and I and, mean. It's really, really uh, a tough situation for elderly people. As we get older, our skin gets thinner. Yes. You know, you have thin skin. I do. Yeah, when I try to Just correct back off. your... Yeah, back, back off, off, buddy, about my thin yeah. skin. Yeah, anyway. Um, and so they get bruising. And yeah. I've had a fatal complication of that. Wow. I had a little old lady who went to the beauty parlor and beauty parlor you know that's what they call mm-hmm. it yeah and they'd sit under the beehive uh hair air can mm-hmm. hair dryer air conditioner the you, conditioned you're the having air. a hard yeah. hard time with the english language yeah, today. today anyway yeah. and the other ladies would make fun of her bruises yeah you know look at yeah. your arms and she quit her plavix because of that oh no and her stent clotted and she died oh my yeah mm. so there are a lot of things that we need to worry about and one of them is I tell my my patients, if you bruise in your arms, that's a good sign. Yeah. That means that your medicine's working to prevent the clotting in your stent in your heart. Right. We're shouting out a brand new uh, patient in in your practice in just a moment. That's uh, coming up on Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. What? You're listening to Heart Health Radio. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and, and, and HeartHealthRadio.com. We want yeah. to shout out a listener yes. and a patient. Yes. Dr. Beverly Jones. He's a psychiatrist. Yeah. And came to see me um, and was doing what uh, I suggest that we should do, which is determine the risk of a future heart attack or stroke. And he came to see me to mm-hmm. get a coronary calcium scan. Yes. Yeah, has a history of hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, has his LDL at a certain point. 
Mm-hmm. And now we're going to find out whether there is cholesterol buildup in the arteries to the heart, right? called the coronary arteries. And depending upon the level of coronary calcium, we can match that to his age and determine his risk uh, in the future of having a heart attack. And the reason we're going to do this is, should he be on an aspirin? Not everybody right. should be on aspirin. We've learned that. If your risk is low, then aspirin can lead to severe bleeding. And then the question is, how low to go on his LDL cholesterol? Right. His triglycerides were great. His LDL was actually very good on a low dose of a statin. But right. the question is, if he has a high calcium score, then we want to go lower. This was a, this is funny because you're a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Now, and you, an you, internal medicine right. specialist. And you treat people as an internal medicine specialist yeah. as well. Yeah. But should people of a certain age go see a cardiologist and check these things out or right. see their GP who the is GP skilled The GP can order it. Yeah, the GP can this. order it. And let me tell you, it just kills me. That Medicare will pay for what's called a lung cancer screening CT mm-hmm. every year, which yeah. I think is great. Why? Yeah. Because it can capture an early lung cancer and save you. Yeah. Well, it's been shown that the coronary CT scan identifies those people at high risk and that those people at high risk who alter their risk factors have a lower incidence of, of death Right. And heart attack and debilitating conditions like HEFPEF or HEFREF, heart failure. Yeah. And yet Medicare won't pay for it. Now, the nice thing is our friends at Raleigh Radiology, for example, will let you have one for 99 bucks. Yeah. And I tell you, it's, yeah. it's probably for someone like Dr. Beverly Jones, the best 99 bucks he will spend this year. Yeah. And maybe next year, too. Okay. But what I'm trying to say is, is that. If you want to really get an idea of what your risk is, ask your GP, ask your cardiologist if you haven't been diagnosed with cholesterol buildup in the arteries to your heart mm-hmm. to refer you to Raleigh Radiology and get this $99 um, CT scan and then make sure right. that you have the results interpreted by somebody who knows how to interpret them. Right. Because a calcium score of 100 in a 20-year-old yeah. is really dangerous. Okay. But a calcium score of 100 in a 90-year-old is a reason to pop the cork on the champagne. Really? Yeah. And it's age-related. If you're 90 years old and only have a calcium score of 100, it means that you have hardly any right. cholesterol buildup. Right. Now, a calcium score of zero on a 40-year-old does not exclude the um, concept of what we call a soft plaque, where you can have a, a plaque of cholesterol that's not been around for very long and is not calcified. And so you have to have somebody interpret this. For okay. example, yes. um, I had a patient that um, was referred to me when I was doing these calcium scans when I was in Indiana at, at Notre Dame, and he had a calcium score of zero. Okay. But he was having tightness in his chest with exertion, had a positive stress test, mm-hmm. and the GP referred him for the coronary calcium scan. The calcium score came back zero. Yeah. But it had to be interpreted in the total situation. Right. And so a 40-year-old man with a calcium score of zero, and yet he had 
everything that would suggest he had cholesterol buildup. Right. This guy died. Nothing was done about it. Oh, my. And so the whole point I'm trying to make is that you don't just take a score out of the blue and interpret yourself. It has to be interpreted with symptoms, Mm -hmm. signs, Mm -hmm. other test results. But it can be a very, very good indicator. So if you're asymptomatic and you're running and you're 65 and you have a calcium score of six, oh, Mary, that's great. But if you have a calcium score of 1,000, then you need to really adjust your life. And so that's why I think this is a great thing. And um, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name. What's the name of the the new name of the people that we talk Um, about? Um, We'll find it because I want you to know they're very good too. It's one of those things, if you hadn't asked, I would know it. used to be called advanced imaging, right? It used to be advanced body scan. Right, and And they are changed their name. We're going to find the name because I really like this company. They're doing a great service. Raleigh Radiology, 99 bucks. It, you have to have an order from a physician. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know why. And again, that's just their, their policy. Yeah. Um, it's not paid for by insurance anyway. So you're going to have to fork out 99 bucks. And they may have raised the price. I don't know. 98, 120. That's not. It's still Not worth a big it. deal. Absolutely. Okay. Surgeons are giving up. They are literally saying, that's it. I can't stay in the business because of Medicare. Mm-hmm. Why? So, for example, if you're a, a orthopedic surgeon, yeah, now they have a system <clears throat> where you, you are fined, um, and they take back your money if you don't fit their criteria for success and for complication. So what does this mean? This means that if you do 100 hips and <laughs> 90 of them work yeah. and four of them... the patient still had some pain afterwards All right. and maybe one had an infection i don't i'm making these numbers up yeah, but yeah, i'm just giving I, you I'm an example you yeah they'll take your money away if they don't hit a certain score right and so what happens is they don't reflect the severity of the patient's comorbidities in this score so suppose you have somebody who's a little overweight and right. is a smoker but has a horrible hip and you replace the hip and there's a complication because of the fact that they had risk factors right. for right. having some complications from the surgery. Right. You're going to get a fine of $10,000. And so then you do four hips for free. And it, it, it's driving people crazy. Um, I have a really good friend that I um, worked with again in Indiana. Mm-hmm. He went to California. Yeah. And there was a headline. Mm-hmm. This guy, I'm not going to mention his name, is the worst cardiac surgeon in Los Angeles. Oh, my. And you know what I thought? He's the best cardiac surgeon. Now, why was he called the worst cardiac surgeon? Because he had, according to Medicare, the highest complication rate. Right. Why did he have the highest complication rate? His people were sicker. Right. So if, you know, John Smith had a complication rate of 0.1%, and yet every single one of his patients was 50 years old Mm -hmm. with a normal heart function and no diabetes and no previous uh, history of something that would complicate it. And yet this man, who was called the worst cardiac surgeon, (coughs) had people who were 80, 
yeah. who had really bad and weak hearts, yeah. three arteries blocked, those are the people who benefit most from surgery. Right. Now, they may have an 8% risk of complications such as stroke or infection or death, <clears throat> and yet if they didn't have the surgery, they'd have 100% risk of death. Right. Well, you're, I mean, you're a good example. You've spoken about your practice. Yeah. The fact that you're treating a lot of octogenarians. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You are treating not, a lot and of- Nonagenarians and centenarians. You are treating 80, 90, 100-year-old people. Right. If you have a higher fatality rate, I mean, you mentioned just earlier in the show mm-hmm. that you had somebody who, who died. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's no doctor who's ever been on the radio other than you who's yeah. ever mentioned that. Yeah. Okay. You want to know something now? What? I've only had two people die this year. That's great. So the point I'm trying to make, though, is that Medicare but, is not going to pat me on the back. Right. I mean, what they did get mad about? What? You're spending too much money in the office. And according to comparisons to your peer groups, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. you're spending too much money. You now, are spending I too am. much money yeah, in the because office. Because I'm doing things. I'm getting their MRIs. Oh, I see. Yeah. I'm doing their ultrasounds. Yeah. And um, that's all they looked at. Now, Blue Cross Blue Shield right. said the same thing. And yet they came back two years later and asked me, how are you doing this? We <laughs> want to know so we can tell other doctors. <laughs> You're spending 125% of predicted um, money in the office. Right. But guess what I did overall? Hmm. 52%. Which and is, why did I do that? I don't know. Because I did so much in the office as an outpatient. Yeah. I prevented the illnesses that cause them to be in the hospital. All right. We're going to talk about fake Google reviews coming up on this radio program. I, I reviewed you on Google. <laughs> don't, don't review me. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio, where you can call up and talk to Dr. Franklin Weefall. 919-860-9783. Can't diagnose you on the radio, but he will give you questions for your doctor. 919-860-9783. Okay, so um, we were talking about reviews. And I I have to be amazed now that we are to the point where your doctor can respond or can be affected by a Google review. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, I, I see patients and I say, you know, I, what they made their own appointment. And right. I'll say, what brought you to the practice? Right. And they'll say, well, Blue Cross Blue Shield, you had yeah. 100 reviews and uh, they were all five stars. Yeah. Now, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> because, for example, on Google, I have 10 reviews and yeah. I'm 4.2 oh. out of five. Okay. And if you look at it, they're all five stars except a one. Oh. And the one was because we didn't refill his medicines 
in time. Oh. And so, you know, hey, I understand that. But there wasn't anything about the quality of medical care. Right. There wasn't anything about, you know, my bedside manner. Right. It was right. that this individual was mad because we didn't refill his medication as quickly as he wanted. Now, one of the things that you need to know yeah. is that now doctors are hiring people or asking their patients, give me a five star. Oh, my and the other thing that's happening is that some doctors, and I know some yeah. in my area, yeah. are telling people to give his or her competitor a one star. No. So what I want to tell people out there, sure, the reviews can be helpful, but don't just go by the stars. Wow. Go in there and read a few. Right. And you can tell. You know, right. when right. when a one star is just the vindictive thing. Right. And you can tell when a five star, they'll make certain points. Yes. You know, the doctor saved my life. Right. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. I went to seven doctors until this doctor figured out what was wrong and saved my life. Yes. And, and be very careful. Um, some of them will be, this is the greatest doctor in the history of mankind. You know, you've got to read and yeah. go into detail. Okay. Judy in Kerry, welcome to the show. How you doing, Judy? I'm better than I deserve, that's for sure. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm calling about um, a problem. I have a tough time sleeping, and about twice a week I, I'm up, you know, practically all night. And my friend gave me some CBD oil and told me to put a little bit under my tongue and, yeah. uh, and about a half hour before I'm trying to go to sleep. Right. And then I came home and I remembered, oh, well, I'm taking um, Dilantin. Uh, okay, you take Dilantin and your friend handed you CBD oil. Right, right. CBD oil, yeah. Right, yeah, I take it. Okay, and so anyway, I'm taking a Dilantin every night, which is really uh, generic. It's the uh, phenytoin. Yes. And I'm taking Amlodipine. I'm taking uh, a I can't even say it. Easy at to be anyway. Yeah. Overall, I'm taking Novas and uh, Losartan. So I, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, I had a triple bypass. So that's why I'm on the blood pressure and the high cholesterol medication. Right. right. So is the CBD oil going to interfere with any of that at all? Can, can let me ask you a question? You're under Latin for seizures or for neuropathy? For seizures. Okay. I've had two seizures in the last 20 years, four years, mm-hmm. four years apart, and it's been like 12 years since the last one. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that, that is interesting about CBD is it interacts specifically with Dilantin, mm. and it can increase the anticonvulsant effects of Dilantin by twofold. So, yeah, and in a sense, that can be good as long as it doesn't raise the level. And I don't know if you if they check your Dilantin level. Um, uh, Dilantin yes. can't... I'm sorry? They did. Uh-huh. Last time I was... Uh, and was it good? Uh, yes. He yeah. didn't want to increase or decrease right. anything. So this is actually, and I'm not going to say for sure, but potentially a good thing. Because if it doesn't raise the level to toxic portions, mm-hmm. it can make it work better. 
mm-hmm. in the sense of reduce the chance of seizures. Have you had another seizure since you've been under Lenten? Uh, no, I have not. Great. Well, then I don't I think you've had you... one for like yeah. 12 years. Well, then, you know, you want you might want to check, you should check this with your, your physician. Okay. But so according to, you know, what we know, someone like you uh-huh. who takes CBD and is on Dolantin, as long as the level of the Dolantin in your bloodstream is not rising, it could possibly be a good thing because it will even more so uh, prevent a seizure in the future. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, so is the CB, has the CBD helped you feel better? I have not tried it. I just got it yesterday. Oh, so okay. I thought, wait a minute here. I, for, I forgot that I'm taking this. Oh. Yeah. Because of you, your information, I take my baby aspirin at night. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, what's it going to do to all that? Yeah. You know, well, I don't think it, yeah. Night. The only thing that of your medicines that I know of is the Dilantin. So check with your physician and make sure that if you do decide to take the CBD, they check the level and make sure it doesn't go up. Okay, so check the level. And uh, so when you say check with my physician, you're talking about my neurologist, right? Right. Okay. The one who prescribes your Dilantin. Oh, okay. All right, excellent. Thank you, Great. Judy. Good I, luck. I won't take it until I get the answer. Right. Yeah. Thank so, you, Judy. Well, thank you for your information. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. And call us anytime. Shirley in Siler City. Hi, Shirley. Hello, Shirley. All right. I'm going to push. Hello. Hey, you what's are. up? What's Appreciate up? Appreciate your program very much. Thank You're you. What's I'd up? I'd like to have that on recording this morning. Well, you, you know, Shirley, you can get a recording of the radio show. You can. You can go to um, hearthealthradio.com okay. on your computer and just click a couple of buttons and you're there. Okay. Yep. Or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So three questions. Sure. Uh, I, I'm 83 mm-hmm. and I have a fib. Um, can I take ibuprofen? I'm allergic to aspirin. Uh, but one doctor tells me I'm okay to take ibuprofen. Another one says no because it has a little aspirin in it. So I don't. But that's one question. Okay. The answer is, you probably shouldn't. Should not. Yeah. Here's there's two reasons why. Certain individuals, when they take ibuprofen, will have an effect of making them bleed more, and that is because certain individuals. Their platelets, which help you clot, are affected by ibuprofen and sometimes just as much as they are affected by aspirin. And so that can make you bleed more. The second reason is that ibuprofen can really mess up your stomach. And the reason is there is an enzyme that ibuprofen inhibits, um, cyclooxygenase or COX-2, and that's in the stomach, and it helps promote uh, protection of the stomach against acid. You know, the stomach is just really acidic. And the reason is that's mm-hmm. where it starts to break down your proteins. Mm-hmm. And so if you take ibuprofen, it will reduce the protective effect of certain things in your stomach, and then you could bleed. And if you're on a anticoagulant for your AFib and you get a hole in your stomach, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you could bleed a lot, 
a whole, whole, whole lot. Now, if you took one ibuprofen, say a year, I really don't think you need to worry because it's the people who take ibuprofen regularly, you know, three times a day. Mm-hmm. And there are people with arthritis who have to take it three times a day or else they're miserable. Mm-hmm. And they're at high risk for bleeding and ulcers, so they're watched closely, I hope. But mm-hmm. the answer is if you want to take ibuprofen on a regular basis, um, I, I don't recommend that for patients who are on. I don't take much blood medicine. Way. Yeah, I don't blame and you. And I don't take medicine every time I get a little ache. Yeah, so yeah. Kind of deal with it. Yeah. Shirley, what's your second question? I just wanted to know about ibuprofen because I have had questions about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time, sure. I a cold or something, or you know, something wrong. But the other thing, the new the procedure for this AFib, um, this surgery, mm-hmm. is that something that is good? Ablation? You, you're talking about getting rid of your AFib? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. Now, any any procedure is going to have risks, right. and they really quote about one in a thousand for a really bad risk, as long as it's done by someone who does it a lot. Right. And so you want to go to someone like Pavlo Netrebko of Cary Cardiology. Dr. Netrebko does, you know, a ton of them. Mm-hmm. And of all the patients I've sent to him, I've not had but one complication, and the patient did well after that uh, because it was caught early. Mm-hmm. But if you go to someone who doesn't do them very much, um, there can be you know, complications of perforation of the heart. How do you spell his name? Is he in Raleigh? Yeah. Well, okay. he's carry cardiology. He works both at WakeMed and at Rex. Um, having to go to Rex now because of the um, United Healthcare no longer uh, mm. supporting WakeMed. Mm. But anyway, N E T R E. B K O Trebco. You can you know if you just go to Kerry Cardiology's website, he's okay. on there. And again, I'm this is not a guarantee that if anybody or especially Pavlo Trebco does an ablation, that there's not going to be a complication. But if you go to somebody who is as uh, respected and and as qualified. The chance of a complication is, I think, going to be lower. And the chance of success is going to be higher. And the success rate is very high if it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a chance that you have to have it touched up. That's what they say. Mm. And the reason is it'll come back in certain cases because the swelling goes away and another AFib pathway comes up. But having to have it a second time is not unusual. And I can tell you right now, my patients have done very, very well with the procedure. And it's called an ablation for atrial fibrillation. And I, I highly recommend it as long as your physician thinks that you're a good candidate. All right. Now, Shirley, you said you had a third question. Okay. The, uh, the third one was, this, I'm told this weekend at a hospital that I had a test in yes. that we have a new strain of the COVID thing and that it's more contagious than the, the other one was. Is this uh, something we need to start wearing masks for again? Okay. That is a complicated <laughs> question. And I'm glad you asked it. Um, boy, oh boy. Uh, the Omicron variant is highly contagious. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure there's really a study that shows uh, universal masking will reduce the risk of getting the infection. So 
unless there is a nationwide alert and unless the powers that be, such as the CDC and the Department of Health and Human Services, Mm -hmm. recommend universal masking, I'm not going to recommend it. Okay. Well, I'm, I never was really into the mask thing, but... Yeah, I think yeah. that if, if those people who are at high risk, and we know who they are, uh, yeah. morbidly obese, the uncontrolled diabetics, the people with rheumatologic or immune-suppressed situation, are the ones who should be the most careful. They should self-isolate. They should do everything that they can to prevent contact mm-hmm. with those individuals right. who are carriers. And I think if you look at the countries that have done well, uh, the emphasis has been on protecting the vulnerable and not universally treating everybody the same because that's just impossible. Right. But if you focus on, on the vulnerable, uh, I think that's the way to go. Shirley, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, I appreciate your calling. We'll talk to Richard and Clayton coming up next. This is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. This is Heart Health Radio, and Richard in Clayton joins us. Richard, thank you very much for calling. How you doing? Hey, good afternoon to you, gentlemen. By the way, this is the best show on the radio. It's thank the you. One, well, hey. The only one that I must catch every week. Yay. Uh, Yay. Make sure you call Curtis Media and tell them. <laughs> <laughs> What's they going on? Put you on other stations, as a matter of fact. Thank Here's you. Here's my question. I, yeah. I have been treated. I'm a 69-year-old male. I've been treated for high blood pressure for about 15 years. Yeah. I would, I guess, successfully treated because I take Losartan and spironolactone, and blood pressure is never high. Yeah. It's always Good. right where it needs to be when I check it or when they check it at the office. However, I'm always listed as, you know, having high blood pressure. Is it really a risk factor if it's treated successfully, doctor? Mm, that's a good question. The answer is, if you treat it successfully, you do reduce risk. Now, when we talk about reduce risk, does it mean the risk goes away completely? No. But say, you know, let, let me, and again, don't, don't, this is not um, written in stone. But suppose your risk is a 10. Okay, mm-hmm. out of 100. And with untreated high blood pressure, you can get that risk down to a 5 mm-hmm. out of 100. Does it completely go away? We don't have enough data to know that. But the answer is, if you had high blood pressure and high cholesterol, I'm just not using you as an example. Let's just say the, the general you. If a patient had high cholesterol, high diabetes, out of control, um, doesn't walk, smokes. He's looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. And if you reduce your blood pressure to normal, taking medications, that uh, reduces one risk. And if you reduce by quit smoking, mm-hmm. your risk from that, and you get your sugar under control and your cholesterol under control, then what you've done is reduce the risk of a heart attack, a stroke, uh, and death. And so, yes, pat yourself on the back. Uh, do we know that the, re- the risk is gone? No, but it's markedly lower, and that's one less thing to worry about. I appreciate that. I'm not diabetic, and I do exercise a little bit, probably Good. not enough. Eat a little more than I should. Not, not uh, uh, morbidly obese, but I need to be in better shape. And it seems like that's one thing that always chafes me a little bit, having, 
uh, taken faithfully my uh, high blood pressure medication and, and controlling it. And still yeah. I'm listed as having high blood pressure. So, so the only thing I think that I would tell you is start walking. There's an article today that those individuals who walk half an hour to 45 minutes a day mm. have a 30% lower risk of overall death from any cause, cancer, heart disease, stroke. So I would recommend you get yourself a nice pair of shoes mm-hmm. and start walking 30 to 45 minutes a day. I would recommend that you cut the sugar and the white flour as much as possible. And I'd recommend that you stay happy. You sound like a happy person. I am, and I really appreciate you guys. You uh, brighten the weekend every time. Thanks for being there. Thank you. All right. Take care, Richard. Thank you. You uh, too. Richard and Clayton. He can call anytime. Yeah. Really. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, so I got to talk to you about this. Maybe this is something off the show that I should complain about. Here's it. There's a, a piece of software they gave me on my phone to keep track of all my medical information. Okay. Right. And okay. It's associated with one of the hospitals. I'm not going to say which one look on the bottom of the screen. The first thing I get to look at oh, wow. when I go there and I'm looking for my test results yeah. or my next appointment, it says, you owe X number of dollars. Right. This, it's got my balance on the thing. This yeah. was not for billing procedures. Yeah. This software was supposed to let me know what my test results were. Well, and so, you know, what I'm going to say is, Suppose you have yeah. risk for a heart attack. Yes. And then you get on this website right. and it says you owe $250,000. You're going to have a heart attack. I'm still, I'm, yes, I'm still paying on my heart surgery. Yeah, but let me ask you a question. You have great insurance. I do. So why do you owe that money? I just do. I don't know. From what? Haven't you investigated and uh, found out what they say you owe? Because let me tell you, it's wrong a lot. Really? Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay, so I have a patient who called me up yeah. and said, I can't come see you anymore, Dr. Weefald. I, I can't afford to pay you that $4,000 I owe. Wow. And when I looked into it, that was the bill before insurance paid, right? Mm-hmm. So we're required by law to list what the quote-unquote patient owes. Yeah. But after insurance paid, guess what the patient owed? I don't know. How about $1.98? That's great. And so if that there are plenty of errors also that the hospitals right. don't correct right. unless you tell them. So I would recommend to everybody, don't just look at that what you owe. Find out, is it correct? Right. Is it because insurance hasn't paid yet? And, you know, um, is it because they didn't post one of your previous payments? So, you know, I have a $6,000 deductible on my policy. Right, right. And the reason why I do that is because otherwise I'd be paying twice as much if I had a $500 deductible. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so I'm taking a risk. I'm sort of self-insuring for $6,000 because I'm pretty darn healthy i take my meds good for you i walk yeah um i'm cutting back on sugar oh by the way i have an announcement to make about my health what's that six weeks of no smoking good for you yeah i have had i've i cheated once now maybe six times in six weeks okay well but i gained 
Now 15 pounds. Uh, so September 1. Yeah. The no no. You're going on the no no to the Weefald house. You're no white flour. No white flour products. No potatoes. No white potatoes and no sugar. Yeah. So I'm a Coca-Cola addict. I'm uh, getting Diet Coke. Now, let me tell you, I me and, and a lot of other people mm-hmm. hate the taste of diet sodas. Yes. But guess what you can do? Hmm. Lemon juice. Oh, okay. If you put some lemon juice in your diet soda, that it generally, for me anyway, yeah. takes away that awful taste of the artificial sweetener. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to have grilled meat with no <laughs> coating and a salad. Good for you. Good and for let's you. let's All keep right. track of how much I lose. All right. This is this is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Telephone number uh, 919-860-9783. You can call over the last uh, you know half hour of the show, be on the show. 919-860-9783. There's a lot of stuff that people are taking. We mentioned in this one of the previous calls, CBD. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff out there that the government hadn't caught up yet, with yet. Oh, a lot of that stuff. That people are getting, well, they're getting high. Or they're, they're finding some relief from pain. Or they're finding a lot of relief from pain and getting high at the same time. Yeah. So I guess my question is, do we know whether they interact with medicines? Well, you got to look it up. You know, I mean, CBD can interact with a lot of medicine. Yeah. So before you decide you're going to take CBD for your aches and pains right. and for the potential benefits, uh, just Google CBD oil and metoprolol. Okay. Is there an interaction? People don't realize you can you can type into Google yeah. what you want to know. Does CBD oil interact with metoprolol? In fact, I'm going to do it right now. Okay. Well, and you're you doing that. Tell. I'm going to look for an article we were talking about. There was a woman who happened to be a uh, 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 a wife of a congressman, I think, and she took an herbal yeah thing. A terra. I can't remember what it was. Some kind of tea. Herbal tea to yeah. lose weight, and yeah. she died. She lost weight, and she died. Now I'm going to tell you this right now. Yeah. I don't think they've established the um, direct connection. Basically, this congresswoman's wife was losing weight, right. taking this um, herbal tea. Right. And when she died, they found a lot of the tea leaves in her gut. Now, does that mean that she swallowed a whole bunch of tea and died? I don't know. Mulberry tea yeah, leaves. mulberry. She was taking that to lose weight. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to do stuff like this, mm-hmm. um, you're taking the risk yourself. And you better know um, and have some knowledge about whether it's dangerous, whether wow. you should take how much, etc. Right. Now, I'm going to say this. If you're out there and you want to lose weight mm-hmm. and you want to take something for it, yeah, there are many safe things to take. And you can go to a physician who specializes or who 
knows about medical bariatrics. In other words, the medicines that you can take under supervision right. to help you lose weight. And I practice this. Um, there is fentramine, which can be given to individuals under physician supervision. Mm-hmm. And in the appropriate doses, there is topiramate. Uh, there uh, is um, the GLP-1 um, uh, medicines, such as Trulicity. Yeah. Um, and and there's now something called Wegovi and something called Monjero. So don't go to these, you know, crazy, perhaps, um, over-the-counter things. Uh, go to your physician and say, I want to lose weight. And right. if you don't uh, practice this way, can you refer me to somebody who does? Right. Let's talk to Keith in Raleigh. Keith, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good, especially when I listen to your program. Thank you. Question. Well, great. Uh, I walk through senior care facilities, and I see senior citizens laying there with their legs straight. After a period of time, I walk through, we'll say, two months later, and I see them in a fetal position. What causes this? Can it be rectified, and can it be prevented? You mean the over time? We'll say a couple, three months. Yes. Over time, the the seniors start to, instead of being able to stretch out their legs, yeah. they pull them in? Yeah. Are you talking about uh, over, the, uh, over time that you get contraction of your legs? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Your, your legs are straight. In over a period of time, uh, uh, they they you, the body curls up, your legs yeah. curl up into a fetal position. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I'm wondering if this can be prevented. Absolutely, it can. Um, what you what seniors need to know is that stretching exercises and walking uh, are very useful and helpful for maintaining mm-hmm. the ability to walk and perform uh, exercises and normal activities. What you need to do is get with your physician and make sure what you are going to do is safe. Walking is the best exercise for all of us. And you have to have a really good pair of shoes and you have to know your limitations. Uh, For example, Hmm. don't go walking when it's 105 degrees outside. Do it in the morning when it's cool. Or do it in the evening when it's cool. Or go to a mall Mm -hmm. where it's 70 degrees and you ha- if you have a good pair of shoes, you can walk around in the mall. Mm-hmm. Stretching exercises, don't overdo it. But, you know, simple things, um, sitting down mm-hmm. and doing uh, stretching exercises, trying to reach your toes when mm-hmm. you're sitting on the floor. Um, and you can get these bands, you know, these rubber bands. Right. And you, you put them in your, you know, you step on one and then you start pulling on it up and down. Yes. Those are very simple things. But, you know, the other thing that you can do is, you know, if you want to invest in this, is get a hold of a personal trainer for a period of time mm-hmm. and have this person, him or her, teach you the appropriate stretching things that you can do to keep yourself limber. That's the word I like. Forgive limber. Me. L-I-M-B-E-R. Forgive me, but a lot of these people I see in these care facilities, they're not ambulatory. Right. Uh, they're not running around and, you know, they, they have to even have their meals served or have the meals served to them by uh, a nurse or some professional. If you right. don't use it, you lose it. Right. Is that true? And especially when we're elderly. I, I You know, I'm going to be 65 in two years. Mm. And um, I need to do better. 
I need to start stretching. I need to start walking more. Will the physical therapist help out a person of this nature that yeah. is not ambulatory? I think physical therapists are wonderful because, mm-hmm. you know, if you can get a referral, um, insurance will pay a certain amount of it. And those individual physical therapists can tailor their instructions and their uh, um, plans yeah. for you based on your current state of health. Hey, thank you. I appreciate your your input. Have a pleasant afternoon. Thank you, Keith. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Ken in Raleigh, welcome to the program. How you doing, Ken? Very good. I listen every Saturday. I was sort thank of curious you. what time will your program be on the next two Saturdays. There'll be Carolina football on uh, yes. the next two is Saturdays. Is it coming on? Yeah. It is coming. It is coming. When yeah. there is a Carolina football game, we plan to be on a Friday night. And I know that's a, a, a sad thing. I guess that's coming up really soon. Okay, Next so Saturday here we go. The first one, then the Saturday, week August 27th, the game is at 8.15 p.m. at Keenan Stadium. Yeah, so we today. are good to go. That's today. Um, the, I'm so, talking about next Saturday, September yeah. the 3rd and then September, September the 10th. Okay, September the 3rd, the game is played in Boone. So we're not going to be affected by that. No, we are. Next Saturday, it's at noon. And oh, it's noon. Saturday, oh, it will still be at Boone. It's still, yeah, yeah, so it's the September <laughs> 3rd, we will be uh, uh, Friday night at Saturday. Friday night, yeah. yeah. This and is- then September 10th. Uh, it'll be again Friday at seven because that's at noon. I forgot that you guys don't do just the home game. Let, right? No, you're right. We're doing all. Of them. Let me let me just explain. If something is has been a conflict for Saturday, right? We'll yes. be on the previous day. Right. So I will tell Makes the sense. listeners September third will be on September second. Right. At seven p.m. Good for you. And September tenth will be on. On September 9th at 7 p.m. And we will be on from 7 until 9 on those nights. And let me just tell you, Ken, it can be hard to be on, you know, quarter quarter to 9. We get a little tired. We'd love some phone calls. And, you know, if some of you out there want to send me a pizza, what's the address here? I'm kidding. Highwoods Boulevard. Ken, we will give you the show no matter what. And we're going to shout you out next Friday night. Thank you, Ken. I forgot about that. I was going to mention it to you off air. Now, I will be doing something very special Yes. um, for uh, when we play the Fighting Irish. (laughs) So the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to be at Uh, North Carolina. Oh, wow. Now, if the game is at noon, okay, we're going to be doing it the night before. Yeah. But if the game is not at noon, and I, it's a possibility this might be at 7 p.m., yeah, yeah. you know, Saturday night show. Because it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I'd like yeah. to be able to do some sort of broadcast from the um, from the stadium. <laughs> yeah, many of you don't know, I was team physician for Notre Dame for yes. nine years yes. when I lived in, in uh, South Bend, Indiana. And I am still a Notre Dame fanatic. Yes. And um, I think football... Uh, can be a great way for people to, you know, participate in a in a sport at yeah. home. Yeah. And and become active. And how do you become active? <clears throat> you get excited and you jump up and down, <laughs> and you really enjoy the game. And you eat stuff that has way too much salt, 
And no, I'm going to have a steak and a salad. Steak for and a salad. Good yeah. for you. Beverly in Durham, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing? Great. And, Dr. Weeball, thanks for the shout-out earlier. Oh, uh, that's my man. That's your man. Did they give you your score yet? Did they tell you right then and there? No, not yet, not yet. But I called because you mentioned uh, the, the difficulty with Medicare billing or hospital bills. Yes. So I opened my Medicare bill in May, and to my surprise, uh, I was being charged $20,000 for an ER stay for four days in New Jersey, and then four days on a psychiatric ward in New Jersey. Really? <laughs> had you had you actually been served at an ER? Absolutely uh, not. In New Jersey? Really? Are wow. you kidding me? Uh, yeah. I'm not kidding at all. <laughs> so did somebody get a hold of your uh, medical information? This is something well, that is happening the now. Hospital, the hospital said they looked into it. It took three months to resolve this, but about 10 days ago, they finally called, and they said there's another person with my same name and my same date of birth. Wow. And when they looked it up in their Medicare database, that's why they used my Medicare number. Wow. You know, that that is the case. Somebody will, you know, you'll call up somewhere for your medical records, they just ask you your name and your date of birth. That's that's not totally unique. Yeah, there were a, a number of other Dave Alexanders born on you know on my birthday. Really? Oh, there were. Sure, so there's there there's a David Alexander national sadly, holiday now. Sadly, there, there there are a lot of them. Well, thank you very much, Beverly, for calling. You've got a unique first name. And I just want to make that make note of that. that. I'm so glad that you called up, and we're a part of the show. Yeah, um, and let's let's get if you don't mind, let's let's get a hold of your your cordial calcium score, yeah. and then since you are my patient, yeah, 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 I can diagnose you over the radio. Oh yeah, sure. And we can talk about exactly what we want to do. <laughs> uh, that sounds good. All right, thank let you. Me, let me add one more piece of information. Yeah, go ahead. If, if this happens to one of your listeners. I found out if you appeal the charge, they're required to respond to you within 60 days. And oh. I did not formally appeal it. I contacted Medicare because of suspected fraud. Right. In that case, they turn it over to a third-party agency, and it takes longer. So if you have a suspicious charge on your Medicare bill, you want to appeal it, and they're required to respond within 60 days. All right. Very good. Thank you. So, Thank you for your show. All right. Take care. This is Heart Health Radio. You're listening to the Heart Health Radio Network. Marie in Raleigh. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Terrific. Weefy. Weefy is doing all right. Yes, they sounds really good. I tell you what. Uh, I'm glad to hear you talking about the weakness in your legs and all. Ever yeah. since I had my heart attack, which yes. was five um Months ago, my legs are still real weak. I don't have to use a walker, but I do have to use a cane. Right. But now I know I need to walk, right? Yes. Uh, and <clears throat> when I, uh, with my heart attack, I got along better with my bypasses and not have my heart attack. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. But uh, what I'm calling about. I hear you talking about seizures a lot and other people having them. Will you talk a little about seizures? Seizures. Yeah. In general or 
at, or in in specific what causes situations. them and the symptoms and everything like that. What are the symptoms of seizures? Yeah, so seizures can be very very um, um, difficult mm-hmm. to diagnose because a seizure can be what we call an absence spell. Mm-hmm. So you can be sitting there and and watching your uh, loved one, right? And they just sort of space out for a little bit. Yep. And that's called a temporal lobe absence seizure. Now, the seizures that we all know uh, about are when you fall on the floor and there's movements of all four extremities, and you lose consciousness and you can quote unquote foam at the mouth because your tongue can get trapped uh, in the back of your throat. So there's this panoply, this spectrum mm. of seizures. And um, that's why it's so important that you be treated, uh, I think, by a neurologist who's a seizure specialist. Right. Because there's so many medications that you can take. And then there are refractory seizures where even if you're on, you know, the best medicines that money can rent and you're still having seizures Mm -hmm. and that can happen too. And so you can be even be awake during a seizure. Your arm can move only as a manifestation and it's not taking over your brain and that's a scary thing because right. you your arm will be uh, or your leg or um, will be moving uh, without your uh, desiring it to move mm-hmm. and um, that can be very 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 scary so <clears throat> the the seizures that you know you can experience can be all the way from just losing the consciousness for right. a few seconds yeah to losing consciousness and and falling down and and having what we call grand mal seizures where every part of your body is moving uncontrollably. Right. And um, certain medications will work. We have Dilantin all the way through uh, medicines that we have repurposed for other reasons. Gabapentin is an anti-seizure medication. And Lamictal is an anti-seizure medication. So... If you suspect that you have epilepsy or a seizure disorder in any way, shape, or form, get thee to a seizure specialist because it's really important nowadays. We have so many other ways of treating seizures, too, from, Marie, from medicines to surgery. Marie, well, thank so you. For- far, I haven't had that. I just wondered what to expect. But uh, I know I have heard people uh, on the floor. And, yes. You know, and... Uh, I just can't. I heard you talking about them today, and I said, "Well, I need to call and find out." Marie, I know, a, I know a fellow who had a seizure and and essentially pulled. He did real damage to his shoulders. Oh. Because he was just fighting his own body, and uh-huh. it was just incredible. Thank you for bringing it up. Thank you, okay, Marie. And one more thing. Yeah, I'm go ahead. For. Uh, Doctor, we fall for president and you for his running mate. Thank you. We'll do this, I'll vote for you. Thank you. We <laughs> fall for president. I like it. Okay. Thank Doctor right. We fall. Sounds like you're doing great. I, I feel good today and I'm <laughs> I'm doing like well. You sound like it every Saturday. And That's the pr- reason you have so many listeners. Thank right. you, Marie. All the pra- right. the practice Thank is you. booming and we're happy and we're saving <laughs> lives and uh, in my heart, I will always, always know that Marie is a wonderful person. Right. Take oh, care, Marie. Take care. All, you'll always be in my heart. Well, thank I you. I tell you, our, uh, <laughs> you, those golden years, you have something to look forward to. 
But Thank you. you. Those, <laughs> you say you know all about them right. already before you get there, right? Take care, Marie. All right. Thank you, y'all guys. I really right. enjoy listening to. All right. Bye bye. We feed twenty twenty four. I'm just I'm just saying it. Yeah. We fall for president. Right. Uh, I don't think so. All right. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. You know you make me wanna kick my This is Heart Health Radio and we are shouting out who? Mark Cuban? Yeah. Um let me tell you, this guy yeah. has done a wonderful, wonderful thing for all of us patients who take medications. And he has what's called a cost plus pharmacy. Have you heard about it? I've heard of it, yes. And uh, it's amazing. I I get medications through my insurance company. And some of my copays are absolutely ridiculous. And these are generic drugs. Right. Now, if you can do this, it's called Cost Plus Drug Company. And you can get Lisinopril, for example, generic Prinovil, for $3.60 for a one-month supply. Right. And I can guarantee you that there are people out there who have a minimum um, uh, payment for their copay on their medications. Now, and how is he able to do this? He is contracting directly with the manufacturers of these medications. And basically, it's what he pays plus 15%. So cost plus um, there is a medicine, for example, for a very serious type of cancer called Gleevec. Yes. And there are people who are paying $200, $300 through their uh, insurance plan. Right. It's $14 at his pharmacy. Why is it higher under other circumstances? Why is he able to do this? No. I know how he's able to do it. He buys it, and then he just it's tax a on simp- a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, he, to make he's money. buying it directly. So my question now, is, why yeah. is everybody? Why are other people not able to do that? Three letters. What? P B M. Yeah, what's that? Pharmacy benefit manager. Pharmacy benefit. So manager. these are companies that contract with, say, an insurance company. Yeah. And they are middlemen, so they will get the drug from the manufacturer. And then they will negotiate with the insurance company as to the price, and they keep the rest of it. So you're not getting the benefit of the uh, low price for generics. Right. Because they may say, okay, Blue Cross, I'm the PBM. I'm going to buy Lisinopril for, you know, three cents a pill. Yeah. And I'm going to charge your people 10 cents a pill. Or a hundred cents a pill, a dollar a pill. And what Mark Cuban has done is say, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of these these incredible markups for generic drugs. Now, I will tell you this. There are only the generics now that are on his uh, website. But guess what? Mm -hmm. He's also going to go to the brand name drugs eventually. And you may be able to get it for much less than your insurance is, is paying. Now, you're going to pay out-of-pocket for this. So you're going to pay $3.95 for your Lisinopril, and you're going to put it on your credit card online. But still, you're going to save a ton of money. And I think it is fantastic uh, what he is doing. Let me give you an example. Um, Losartan for high blood pressure is $4.50 a month. 
Right. It's just unbelievable. Now, wait a minute. $4.50 a pill or a no, month? No, a month prescription. You're going to pay $4.50, and they're That's going to mail good. you 30 pills at your dose. That's it's pretty good. It's fantastic. And I am uh, really excited about this. Yeah. And let me just give you another. I'm on their website right now. We have put. Um, a Torvastatin. Yeah. Is going to be $3.60. For right. a whole month's supply. Right. Um, it's Resuvastatin is $4.80. Simvastatin is $3.60. So it, it, we're really, really moving into a new um, era right. where the generic drugs, if you're paying right. anything on your copay, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Right. It's better for you to go to Mark Cuban's uh, website. Say the company and, again. Pardon? Say the company. Oh, yeah. It's called Cost Plus Pharmacy. Okay. It's fantastic. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I... Oh, you can interrupt me anytime. All right, We're good. bros and buds here. All right. Because we, you know, we, we've got about a minute and a half, and I, I yeah. wanted you to me, be able to mention that there is... Uh, all, all the doctors are getting a cut. Uh, I mean, a reduced pay from medicare it's awful and i never realized how bad this was so if you look at what's happening the the hospitals are getting increases after increases after increases. yeah but and i never realized this that we have experienced since 2001 yeah on average 39 percent when adjusted for inflation and for other costs increase in our overhead we have gotten a 50 percent decrease in Medicare reimbursements. When you um, look at the uh, in inflation, that should have um, given us a boost. And I don't know how we're going to keep doing this. Um, small I, business people, doctor, a lot of doctors are small business people. Well, not very many anymore okay. because of this. Okay. And I'm, I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm doing okay only because... Um, I'm very streamlined, and I have uh, an income stream that is stable. But when I think about it, I could be doing twice as well mm-hmm. if they had just kept place with inflation. All right. All right, we'll see you next week. This is Heart Health Radio.